Hey there, I'm Scott Mitchell, editor of Schwartz Media's daily news show, 7am. This is The Weekend Read. Every fortnight on the show, we feature the best long-form journalism in Australia, read to you by the people who wrote it. Today on the show, writer Richard King, with his piece Machine Learning, about the AI chatbot, ChatGPT. He begins his story with the discourse sweeping a university campus as AI reaches the hands of ordinary students and teachers. But how will this technology, still only a few months old, not only change teaching and marking, but the very nature of the transfer of knowledge from human to human? This is the question he sets out to answer, and it's a compelling one as we stand on the precipice of a new age of technology. Richard will read his story from the latest edition of The Monthly after a short conversation. So, Richard, ChatGPT, this AI chatbot, as we know it, has exploded in popularity. Can you tell me about what first drew you to open it up yourself, have a try, and and what your very first impressions of it were? Well, I was... um just finishing a a book on sort of technology more broadly and um, its effect on our deep human condition, if you like. Um, And typically, you know, you, you, you send off the, the final edits to the publisher and then something like this happens and you think, Oh God damn, I wish I could have got it into the book. So I just thought I had to sort of open it up and um, maybe add something about it in the book. But I was just blown away by how sort of brilliant it is. I mean, it is uncanny uh, in a way that, as I say in the piece, kind of leaves the the Turing test in our review mirror. You know, it's just a a fascinating um, development, I think. And I wanted to say something about it because like a lot of these um, issues around technology, my sense was that perhaps it seemed to me to um, speak to something uh, deeper uh, and a more important issue to do with, you know, yet another encroachment into our agency. You know, it's very striking to me that we don't really talk about, um, I mean, we're talking about chat GPT, but we don't really talk in sort of political terms, if you like, about technology much these days at all. And the reason for that is that science has really been sort of subordinated to technology, to sort of practical utility, which has been subordinated in turn to the market, really. And we just accept it as inevitable. It's striking how many of my students who are writing their essays right now on chat GPT are saying, well, you know, it's inevitable. It's here to stay. We've got to learn how to, um, uh, you know, get along with it. Uh, so there's a kind of a fatalism. The fact is we don't know how it's going to affect us, but it will affect us very profoundly. And I think that if we're thinking broadly about the effect that these uh, new and emerging tools are having, we have to think about the steady erosion of our creativity and our agency. And that's something to which this particular technology goes very directly. Mm. And Richard, we've seen already so many uses in only these first few short months of GPT from drafting wording for websites and ads, authoring scripts, or just sort of answering questions for bored people on their computers. But, you know, your piece focuses on how ChatGPT impacts the transfer of knowledge. Why is that such a fundamental question to you? 
Well, it's a, it, it is a fundamental question to me, and I think it goes to the question of technologies within education more broadly. I mean, you can go right back um, in this uh, respect. The great um, media theorist Neil Postman actually talked about the technique or the technology, if you like, of marking papers. I mean, we just take it for granted now that we should mark papers. You know, we should give a sort of numerical value to, you know, your, you know, your students' essays on capitalism or whatever it happens to be. But this would have been complete gibberish to, um, you know, a Galileo or a Shakespeare or something like that. You know, it just wouldn't have made any sense, even after you'd explained it to them. And so the way in which we transfer knowledge alters the shape of that knowledge. And, and so we've sort of evolved a way of writing that you know, have been shaped by the technologies themselves and shaped by sort of social technologies. All cut, you know, I'm, I'm defining technology quite broadly here. But um, the world is becoming uh, a black box. Um, we know that things work. We don't know how they work. Uh, and because we are the kinds of creatures that we are and because agency ha you know, having an effect upon the world, a material effect upon the world is important to us, that's very challenging and I, and I think slightly worrying too. Richard, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show and I can't wait to listen to you read your piece. Thank you so much. Thanks, Scott. Coming up after the break, Richard King will read his story, Machine Learning. Machine Learning University of Notre Dame's Fremantle campus is marbled into the city's west end, which means the latter goes eerily quiet in the long summer break between semesters. Located at the southern end of the port, still a working one despite various plans to move it, and dominated by Georgian and Victorian architecture, the west end begins to resemble an old photograph of itself as the students return home and the bustle yields to a slower pace. Yes, the cafes, boutiques and cocktail bars continue to operate across the hiatus, drawing in holidaymakers as they meander down towards the roundhouse, a former jail built on Bentham's notorious panopticon design and the first permanent building of the Swan River colony. But otherwise the place feels strangely quiet, not a ghost town exactly, but in some sense bereaved, denuded of the human presence that brings the area to life. Still, there is a distinctive buzz within the university itself, as tutors and tenured academics return to prepare for the new semester. Like an army that's received intelligence of a new and frighteningly effective weapon, the teaching staff is all a Twitter at the next big thing in artificial intelligence, a development so potentially ruinous to current modes of academic practice that it will make the trade in contract cheating look as old-fashioned as crib notes on the palm of your hand. As essay questions are set and course outlines prepared, everyone involved in the transfer of knowledge is acutely aware that the terrain has changed and everyone is chatting about ChatGPT. Launched in November 2022, ChatGPT is an AI-powered chatbot that uses deep learning algorithms to generate responses to natural language prompts. Trained on a massive database of materials, it can instantly synthesize original content 
into the form of answers to specific questions, essays on particular subjects, literary parodies, scripts, etc., in a way that leaves the Turing test decisively in humanity's rearview mirror. As to say, there was very little in its responses that would give it away as a non-human actor, as countless journalists have already demonstrated by reproducing snippets of AI-generated content in their articles and challenging readers to spot the difference. Given the job losses to which ChatGPT and its equivalents are likely to lead, this is perhaps an unwise strategy. Certainly there is nothing in the various essays I've asked it to write that would raise any eyebrows other than the programme's stubborn insistence on not confusing then with than or alternate with alternative. There really is no getting around it. ChatGPT is brilliant, a game-changer. Not that everyone in the tertiary sector regards it as a problem, necessarily. For the moment, opinion on ChatGPT appears to be split between those who regard it as a potential tool in research and academic writing, and those, like me, who regard it as a challenge, possibly an existential challenge, to a certain model of education. The former group is undeniably the smaller one, though their opinions have been overrepresented in the media in recent weeks, perhaps because of the fetish of balance. In essence, these opinions boil down to the charge that concern about ChatGPT is a species of Luddism, no different from the panics that greeted the printing press, television, the internet or Wikipedia, still lazily maligned in academic circles as a reliable source of unreliable information. As such, the former group is channeling what is sometimes termed the instrumental view of technology, which characterises all tools and techniques as fundamentally neutral phenomena used by humans to achieve their ends, as opposed to phenomena with the power to shape the culture in which those ends are framed. The instrumental view is very much favoured in Silicon Valley and amounts to a reflexive belief in progress, even a kind of fatalism that strikes me as borderline nihilistic. It also tends to assume implicitly that the human brain is itself a technology that can be retooled for greater efficiency. For example, when defenders of new technologies say that their use will free up space for students to dedicate to other tasks, they are reproducing the very conceptual model, call it the brain-computer model, that led the adepts of AI to pursue the dream of natural language processing in the first place. They are also sorely mischaracterising the process by which human intelligence is created. This goes to, for me, the principal challenge of ChatGPT, which has less to do with accuracy or bias or toxic speech than it does with its potential to inflict yet another defeat on our agency, and thus our capacity for freedom and flourishing. As the author and artist James Bridle has argued, the information revolution has brought about a new dark age in which the price of increasingly smart devices is increasingly ignorant human beings. It isn't only working practices that are disappearing into algorithmic machines. Our practical understanding of the world, of how things fit together, is disappearing too, with the result that the world is becoming a black box, opaque to its human inhabitants. Despite the tech bros' transhumanist dreams 
And notwithstanding Elon Musk's warnings about the existential risks of strong AI, few of us are daft enough to think that ChatGPT is actually thinking. The problem is that anyone using it isn't really thinking either. And since thinking is still a university's reason for being, even if only semi-efficiently, that's a problem that outsaws any narrow concern about accuracy or plagiarism. It's a challenge to the university itself, or to the liberal conception of it, and to the society it is assumed to serve. It follows that the emergence of ChatGPT presents an opportunity to think about the role of technology in formal education more broadly. What is education for, after all? If its aim is to create workers who can use AI, then teaching to ChatGPT makes sense. But if its aim is to create thinking individuals whose ability to think is bound up with their flourishing, then it might be better to exercise caution. Nor should we stop at ChatGPT. We might extend our re-evaluation to encompass other technologies, some of which have insinuated themselves still further into academia as a consequence of the COVID lockdowns. I don't know a single academic who thinks that online classes are as effective as face-to-face ones, or anyone who thinks that such teaching practices are beneficial to student mental health. We might even think about writing itself, or at least about the prominence given to it in modern educational practice. One common move of the Pollyannas is to invoke the example of Socrates, who regarded writing as deleterious to the memory and a corruption of intellectual inquiry, as text can neither clarify nor modify its arguments in the way that a human being can. What could be more regressive, they ask, than being against the alphabet? How revealing of the technophobic spirit. But one doesn't need to go all the way with the gadfly of Athens to see that he was right about some things. Writing does cause the memory to atrophy, or that he was asking a pertinent question. What does this technology give us, and what does it take away from us? We Cassandras can be a reactionary bunch, and of course it's always necessary to ask whether one has mistaken the state of the world for the state of one's own lower back. Nevertheless, the Pollyanna approach strikes me as naive. At the very least, it's surely worth reflecting that Socrates as well as originating what we might call the techno-critical tradition, was also the progenitor of the dialectical method of reasoning on which the liberal university is founded. Of course, I'm not suggesting that the modern university should be reconceived as an Athenian agora. But as we move ever deeper into the era of techno-scientific capitalism, an era in which it will be possible not only to reproduce human speech, but also to reproduce human beings themselves, and not by the conventional method of hanging around in the student bar, we need to rediscover our capacity to evaluate emerging technologies in the spirit of what Lewis Mumford called democratic techniques, by placing human freedom and flourishing at the centre of our deliberations. That this capacity is the very one that ChatGPT would remove if pressed into service for unscrupulous ends, makes this a matter of urgency. We need to start thinking about thinking machines upon pain of a future society in which we become uncanny to one another, spectres haunting a silicon city, denuded of the flesh and blood others without whom we can never be fully human.
To hear more Weekend Reads, you can subscribe to The Weekend Read in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.